But I want to take you in your imagination back to when you were two years of age. You were out playing in the garage with your father. He was working and you were playing. The pilot light from the gas hot water heater ignited and connected with the gas fumes that was working throughout the garage and all of a sudden there was an explosion and you were burnt over 70% of your body. Rushed you to the hospital, you didn't die, but multiple surgeries were required to save your life. In the midst of those surgeries, as they had your, your hands and your arms and your feet all bound up, and taking off these bandages, they removed the bandage from your left hand and your hand fell off. They removed the bandages from the right side and your fingers fell off. Again, multiple surgeries were required and the doctors were able to take just a joint from your thumb, reattach it. Although you did not have any fingers, you had just the joint of your thumb on your right hand. Fast forward with me to your school years. The expressions on the face of the kids and people around you as they experienced the effects of the burn, the scars, all of the things that took place over your body, 70%. You couldn't tie your shoes. In fact, it wasn't until you were 12 years old. And one day, getting ready for gym class, you're sitting in the locker room getting ready to put on your gym shoes. You've always tried, always tried, but to no avail. You couldn't tie your shoes until this one particular day at 12 years of age. And all of a sudden, you sense this overwhelming presence that you can only attribute to God come over you and an energy infill you like you've never felt before and you bend over and you tie your shoes. What a... What an accomplishment. And then after you tie your shoes, do you hear this voice say, so what would you like to do next? And your response is, I would like to play the drums. No left hand, no fingers on your right hand, one small joint you try to figure all of this out, and with the help and the assistance and some, some creative ways, you end up taking this tennis wristband and placing it on your left hand, two large, strong rubber bands, and you place them over the wristband, and you slip the drumstick inside this holder, and this is what you have. You take this drumstick and the small joint that you have on your thumb, you put it in there, and you really don't know how you're going to do it, but this basically is the way that you're going to start out being a drummer. You may say, well, Pastor Don, basically there's really no way you could play drums or there's no way you could even carry a beat or anything the way this looks. I want to show you a quick clip of somebody because this is a true story happened to a man by the name of Dan Carroll. I want you to see what happens when you have determination, even when you have a defect.
Not bad. I want to show you another picture. And if they will put that picture up on the screen, it's a picture of a little boy about going on really four years of age. This is not some child from a third world country that is a result of genocide or a result of anything that's going on in the air or the pesticides. It's not any kind of a story like that. In fact, the story of Dan Caro is one I share with you only because I've researched it and took a look at it. This hand that you see on the screen belongs to my grandson, Ethan Scott Fisher. Came into this world, the beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby boy. He will be four years old this March. He's smarter than he should be. A great kid. His parents were aware of this, and the doctors have said there's really nothing that the mother did or there was no medications or there was nothing at all that she did that caused this effect of his hand. This is his, his right hand. They were aware of that before Ethan was born. But he came into this world in terms of what we would call a physical defect. And we understand defects because defects are simply an imperfection in form or function. And we understand that in the business world because people such as Ford, Toyota, Mattel, Tylenol, McLaren, Umbrella, Strollers... Uh, it's not unusual for us to pick up the newspaper and read about some kind of an article that has a defect in it and it has to be recalled. But what comes back to you and I in our personal lives, and many of us know people who have been born with, who are living with these type of defects. I also have a nephew, Joshua, who is 29 years of age, was born with Down syndrome. Great kid, loves Jesus. He's worked at Wendy's for 10 years. He's a hard worker. His heart is just fantastic for the things of God. So I know from which I speak when I talk about defects. And it's easy to kind of comprehend that. And we, we just noticed on the screen with Alex and there's a, there's a defect in the body chemistry that brings this leukemia on. And many of you have family and friends that has cancer or has some form of physical defect taking place in your life. This week I stood at the graveside of a couple in our church who anxiously was awaiting the birth of a beautiful baby boy. And because of the physical concerns and the things that happened, uh, the, the child did not make it into this world. And we stood there mourning and weeping and grieving with the family because this would have been baby number four and they were excited and the mother's heart was torn apart because somewhere in that physiology of that child there was a defect. And then we rejoiced and celebrated because we knew that he's in the arms of Jesus. So we're moved with compassion when these things happen and we see people and we're aware of people around the world that have these defects. And we, can, we, can, we can't relate to it, but we can understand it. But you may be sitting here this morning and say, but Pastor Don, I'm so thankful this morning. That doesn't apply to me because I have all of my extremities. I have my mental faculties. I have everything about me. And so I'm exempt from what you're about to say. But this morning, we're talking about redefining defects. And every one of us here has a defect in our life somewhere. 
And we're talking today about our character. In your handouts, you have, uh, you have the, uh, the text that we want to share with you today. And I want you to read that along with me as we share that text. Because here's the thing. There will come in each of our lives a time of trouble, difficult situation or conditions that are out of our control. Satan, our adversary, will tell us that the longer these things happen, the more impossible and hopeless they become. But I'm here this morning to declare to you and let you know, according to the Word of God, that as long as God is with us and God is in our midst and God is connected to what we're doing, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation, person, or condition. Because with God, all things are possible. But I want us to look this morning in Genesis chapter 32. And as the text says, Let's begin reading this and follow along with me as we read this together. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Now, what we're doing on Characters Welcome is we're focusing in on Jacob today. And not only that, but we're zeroing in close, more close on who he was and what his character involved. Because the story of Jacob takes up over half of the book of Genesis. And as you read that story, there are a hundred ways to go on this message this morning. But we want to focus in on who he is. And we understand that his name basically means cheater deceiver, manipulator. In other words, Jacob was nothing less than a shyster in a lot of his involvements. So when we look at Jacob and we look at in character, we find he would manipulate things and people so the end result was in his favor. In fact, he even tricked and deceived his father Isaac in blessing him when the Jewish tradition stated the oldest son should receive the blessing. Now, Going back just a little bit to set this up this morning is, is there's so many things about Jacob we could talk about. We could talk about when he was born. He came out of his mother's womb hanging on to the heel of his brother, probably trying to gain an advantage. And if he was strong enough, he was going to pull Esau back in so he could be the first. And then as he grew up, and, and the story tells us that he was making a pot of soup, a porridge, and Esau comes in out of the field and been working and he was hungry. In fact, he was starving. And, and I still don't understand all of this. But he goes to Jacob and says, can I have a bowl of soup? And Jacob, being the entrepreneur that he was, says, I'll give you a bowl of soup if you will give me your birthright. Now, that was probably the first pilot for the new TV series, Let's Make a Deal. 
If you've ever watched that, and, and, and Barbara and I and Mom watch that religiously every night, because since we don't have any money, we, we just kind of like to watch other people make money. So we watch that, but, but the irony of it is, there's so many times I get angry, I get irritated, I get frustrated, because people come on with a large amount of money, but they pass it up thinking they're going to make more. And then there's that sadistic part of me that just really laughs. In the last couple of days, someone went home with $5. And I'm sitting there saying, deserve, you deserve it. Deserves your right. But anyway, here he was, and he sold, Esau sold his birthright. We fast forward again, and we find Jacob in the midst of his conversation with Laban. And he's looking for Rachel, and instead of Rachel, he gets Leah, and he has to work seven years and seven more years. And now, here Rachel is wanting children, and she's barren, and so Leah begins to have children. And now Leah's having children, but Rachel can't, so she gives Jacob her her, uh, servant, and he begins to have children with her. Leah now gives Jacob another servant, begins to have children with her. And this was probably the first pilot for the series, Desperate Housewives. So here we go. Deception, deception, manipulation, cheating, lying, and all of these things that come into our character. And whether we are identifying with this or not, there are so many things we could walk down the list on this morning. But whether it is, it is lying or stealing or cheating or pride or envy or jealousy or being judgmental, a number of things are affecting our character. In fact, we are sitting here, all of us today, with some kind of defect in our life. Hoping that somehow God can redefine that. Somehow he can take the flaws in our life and turn them into his favor in our life. So now Jacob comes on the scene and he goes to his father. He's dressed like Esau. He looks like Esau. He acted like Esau, but he didn't sound like Esau. Now, to bring this up up all together, you have to understand his mother was involved in this. She, too, was a deceiver because Esau was was the father's favorite son, but Jacob was her favorite son. So here she is being deceptive and manipulating to try to get Jacob the blessing. What is it about the blessing? God has a blessing for us. He has a blessing, probably more than we can contain. But in this specific instance, here is the blessing. Genesis 27, verse 26, this is what Isaac says. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine, May nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. The thing is, Esau was only looking to the present. Jacob was looking to the future. 
So what do we do with this blessing we're asking God to give us? How does that work in our life? It works because when our blessing comes, it happens when God goes ahead of us to take care of the stuff so that when we arrive, God is already there. That's blessing. And unfortunately, we're not able to see that because of lack of hindsight. But I want you to know, if you believe in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that God has a plan for your life, He has a blessing for everyone in this building. He has a blessing for everyone who is following Him. And what He is up to is He has went before us and in front of us because God will never send us where He hasn't already been. And He's already there taking care of stuff. When I thought about that and I looked over my years of ministry and not taking the time to elaborate, but I look all the way from Michigan to Massachusetts to Indiana and New York and back to Indiana and Erie, Pennsylvania, and I look back over that and I'm thinking, wow, God already went ahead of me to take care of stuff. So when I got there, it was ready to go. Now, the only time I think he messed up was when I came to Erie. Because we were loaded with both of our U-Haul trailers, our, our, our trucks, coming to Erie under the assumption that we could immediately move into our home. And we got a phone call in Cleveland, Ohio, from the realtor saying, the owner does not want to, to, for you to rent the house, therefore you can't move into the home, therefore I don't know what to tell you. We've got a 26-foot U-Haul And we packed it so that when we got here, we could immediately unpack it, therefore getting to all of the things that we needed. The flip side of that was we get to Erie. We we, we spend three weeks with Pastor and Pam. They say it's three months, but it wasn't. It It just seemed like that to them. It's only three weeks. But but we the, all the clothes we had was the clothes on our back. And everything was packed. I had nothing for the office. I went my first day in the office. I had a legal pad and an ink pen. And being the quick thinker that I am, when people would come by to see the new guy and look at my bookcases, I just said to them, everything that I've learned, I've got stored up here. I I don't need anything in those bookcases. And then I became known as the one shirt wonder. Because I had this one shirt that I would wear at least two or three times a week. And it was one shirt and the staff was wondering if I had any more. Well, God didn't mess up. It probably that was a real initial lesson in humility. <laughs> Here you are on staff in this large church and you have nothing but a legal pad and an ink pen and one shirt. Well, it all got worked out. I do have two by now. So we're, we're good to go. The thing is, Jacob's, Jacob's got a problem. And his problem is this. Jacob has a blessing waiting for him that his character is not ready for. Now, that is so important that you and I get that into our mind today. Jacob had a blessing waiting for him that his character was not ready for. God has things in store for you and I that our character is not ready for. And if he gives it to us today, we're going to mess it up. So here is his problem. You see, God will not share his blessing until our character is ready to receive it. Jacob, now we fast forward, he's running for his life. He's at the brook Jabbok 
is going toward the evening time. He sends his family across the brook. He sends all of his possessions across the brook. And he's there alone by himself. And all of a sudden, a man grabs a hold of him. I don't know how you're affected by that, but that would probably frighten me a little bit. All by myself and alone, and somebody comes up and grabs a hold of me. So this takes place, and the wrestling match is on. Here's what happens. When God is trying to address our character, He will often place us in certain circumstances or situations that will bring fear, loneliness, and defeat. And, and friends, here's the thing. When we come to those places in our life, that's the place where the enemy says, see, God has abandoned you. He has forsaken you. He doesn't care about you. But he brings us to those places of fear or loneliness or defeat because here's the thing. Before God can give the blessing, he must reverse the curse. And you and I, as we are here today, we understand that before God can bless us, there's some things in our life He has to take care of. There's some things in our life that need to become reversed. The simplest understanding of that would be someone who is not a follower of Jesus, someone who is deliberately and intentionally doing things against God and against God's will and the plans that God has for them, and then wondering why God isn't blessing me. And it's not happening because before he could give the blessing, he has to reverse the curse. And here he has a hold of a man who has been a a deceiver, a liar, a manipulator, a cheat, a shyster. And God realizes before he can use Jacob for the uttermost good of God, he has to reverse this thing. So it goes on, and they wrestle, and they wrestle, and they wrestle. Because blessing always includes responsibility. God doesn't bless us and not give us responsibility. The man touched Jacob's hip, and it became dislocated or out of joint. In other words, he was in pain. Now, I don't know if it was because of the adrenaline, or because of the tenacity, or the boldness, or Jacob just being afraid if he lets go, worse things are going to happen. But, but he was able to wrestle in this condition. Or for you up north, it's wrestle. For the southerners, it's wrestle. They had a wrestling match. I want you to note Genesis 32, verses 24 and, 20, and, and 25. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. What this is symbolic of is this. What God is looking for in our lives is brokenness. Brokenness. If you've never experienced brokenness, you're missing out on a unique Opportunity. You say, but Pastor Don, I, I don't want brokenness. I want the blessings of God. I want the provisions of God. I want all of these things of God, but I don't want to have to go through the brokenness. A.W. Tozier made this statement. He says, it is doubtful God can use a man until he has hurt deeply. 
And if we walk with Jesus long enough, there's going to come some hurts. There will come some disappointments. There will come some heartaches. There will be some mistrust. There will be those relationships that are fragmented. That's what we call life. But with God, God brings healing to these areas of our life. See, brokenness is where God strips us of our self-sufficiency. We come to that place in life where we feel like we've got it all together. We feel like we have all of the answers. We believe that we are the most educated, gifted, talented person in the world. And God brings us to this place of stripping us of our self-sufficiency. And you say, well, how often does that happen? I don't know, but because it's never stopped in my life. And I don't think it ever will as long as we're on this earth because there are continually things that God is interested in in dealing with us about that requires this brokenness. But brokenness occurs also when we cannot make it happen on our own. See, there are people in this world that are very talented and very gifted. There are people in this world that can go a long ways on their abilities and on their talents and on their gifts. But I have found this, that when we follow Jesus long enough, we will not only go wide, but we begin to go deep. When we begin to go deep, we come to the place of where we just cannot do it on our own anymore. We come to that place of understanding and accepting our self-sufficiency and understanding that it is stripped away and only God, only God, only God can come in and intervene and take care of that because we do not have the capability. We come to that place and it's called brokenness. And friends, that place of brokenness is where God can now begin to work in our lives. You say, but Pastor Don, I've never experienced that. I've never experienced the brokenness. I've never experienced that feeling of of, of not being self-sufficient. I've never experienced that feeling of never being able to do something on my own. I don't understand what this brokenness is. Brokenness is also when all we have is not enough. When all we have is not enough. And brokenness comes when we need God more than anything else. See, we walk through this life, and for many people, much like you and I used to do, and people around us, basically God to them is simply a 911 call. Because I'll call him when I'm in trouble. I'll call him when I have a need. I'll call him when I'm between a rock and a hard spot. But unless I'm there, I'm just really not going to bother God. And we get to this place in our life where we realize that we need God more than anything else. If everything else in our life is stripped away and all we have is God, we can make it. And I realize that I'm talking about defects that probably have been ingrained in us from our childhood. They have been a part of our environment. 
In fact, you may be sitting here today and you may be recalling that it was your father that taught you how to cheat. That it was your father or mother or uncle that taught you how to manipulate. That it was a friend of yours that taught you how to use deception. You say, well, frame that for me so I can understand it. Let me put it this way. And I haven't worked in factories for a number of years. But if you're in a factory, and I know this used to happen because it happened where I worked as a security guard. You want to leave home early. So you go up to your buddy and say, I tell you what, if you will punch my time card for me, I'll give you five bucks. Because I got really something important I got to do. And if you'll just punch that time card, I'll give you five bucks. And if you punch my time card for me today, then I'll punch your time card when you need to leave early. So you come back the next day and you run into your boss. And the boss says, hey, I was looking for you toward the end of the day. Where you where you at? And well, I'm, I was out in plant six. I was I, I got hung up with something out there. Now, in that little short scenario, you have just lied. Cheated. And manipulated. See how easy that can happen. And sometimes because we, we, we get caught in a place where we just don't understand all that's going on. Sometimes it just comes out without even thinking. Do my time card. I'll do yours. Don't tell anybody. Life will go on. Everything will be great. But you just committed three of those things that was a problem in Jacob's life. Jacob had become accustomed to this. He, he found it was his way of moving through life with manipulating and deceiving and lying. And he comes to this place now where this man has a hold of him. He will not let go of him. The hip has been tossed and turned out of joint. He's in pain, but he's still hanging on. But God is saying, I have to break you before I can bless you. And I don't know about those of you who have experienced brokenness, but I can tell you this. The blessing is always greater than the breaking. See, there's a trust factor. Say, but, but what if God breaks me? Another? God doesn't work that way. If there is a genuine brokenness in our life, God, that means that God simply has the blessing waiting for you. And He has already went ahead to take care of the stuff when you get there. See, that happens a lot of times in our lives and we don't even realize it. But here's the thing. As the man did with Jacob's hip, sometimes God has to dislocate things in our life. Just a short time ago, there was a, a difficulty in our country because... Several of the houses that had been built between 2005 and 2007, the contractors got a hold of some defective drywall. And this drywall was not only causing the itching and sneezing and the physical manifestations of those who lived in the home, but also was affecting the copper wiring behind it and the mold and the mildew and just all kind of things was going on because the drywall was defective. And in almost 100% of these homes, the only solution to take care of the defect was to strip the house. That meant drywall, carpets, 
appliances, cabinets. Everything that was in the home had to be stripped away because of the defect of the drywall. And I realize that there's times in our lives where God is trying to say to us, if you will just let me strip some things away, if you'll just let me dislocate some things in your life, whether it's habits or attitudes or, or whatever it is, let me just strip those things away because I've got something better for you and it's a trust factor. When Barbara and I first went into ministry, we were in our home church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And the pastor there had a guest a speaker and uh, after the service, we ran into pastor and the speaker. And and so Pastor Douglas said, hey, uh, Donna Barbara's getting ready to go into ministry. I'd like for you to pray for him. Here's the prayer. Dear God, we thank you for this couple and the life that they have committed to you. But God, I pray. Do not let their journey become easy. Make their road hard. Well, right then I knew he could stop. No need to continue. Make their road hard because only through their times of trials and difficulties will they be able to grow and mature and develop to be the kind of people that you are wanting to create them to be. Now, that's quite a prayer to get started in the ministry. And believe it or not, God answered his prayer. And we have experienced those times. We have understood those times. And from the very beginning, when we first started as senior pastor, I remember so vividly at the altar one day, God giving me the verse in, in, in that says, Humble yourself beneath the almighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, I'm pastoring a church of 16. The old neon sign, Jesus saves, hanging by a thread. We went and the microphone they tried to use that Sunday didn't even work. But the lady was trying to be the Sunday school superintendent, thought it did. So she kept leaning up and talking into it. Didn't even work. I had to go down and take a youth Sunday school class because nobody was there to teach the kids. And, and from that time on, multiple stories of how in the life of Barbara and I that God has taken us time and time and time again through that broken process, that stripping away process, that dislocating process. And I believe that we are here today because even in the midst of our defects and the midst of our flaws, we, like Jacob, the main thing that we always concentrated on was the salvation of our God in our lives. And God has brought us to this place. But it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy. But the rewards and the benefits have been great. So we experience this in our life, and yet we may be sitting here today and say, Pastor Don, I'm going through something. I really don't understand what it is. I don't have an answer to it. It's out of my control. You are an excellent candidate for brokenness, for dislocation, and for blessing. You see, that's what the blessing is all about. But the brokenness has to come first. So the man asked, what is your name? Because names have a lot to do with our identity and our character. 
And Jacob replied, My name is trickster, deceiver, manipulator, and liar. What a, what a resume that is. Stating our name, we acknowledge our status and our character. And if we want a blessing, we have to change our name. See, before, when we were born in and, and shaped in our mother's womb and came into this world, we have come into this world as a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone from Pastor Jack and the staff and all throughout this building today, we came into this world a sinner. That was our name, Sinner. And we had that old Adamic nature in us that as we were growing up, and some of you as parents scratch your head and say, well, why does my kid hide something? And why does he fib? And why does he... Because that's his nature. There comes a point in our life when we become a follower of Jesus that we have a name change. And it, it's changed from sinner to saved. It's changed from being flawed to being forgiven. It's changed from being out of the grace of God to being an heir of the Father and a joint heir of the Son and a child of the King. And we have a name change. So now when somebody says, what is your name? My name is I am a believer in Jesus Christ and I am a child of God and I am saved by the grace of God. That's my name. But in order to experience a blessing, we have to change our name. You see, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Now, here's the key. God did not dwell on what Jacob was. He dwelt on what he would be and what he could be. That's called redefining defects. And I want to stop and pause here just for a moment because God put something into my heart a few weeks ago and I feel like I need to share it with you today. Many of you in this, in this sanctuary and those who come on occasion, many of you are struggling with fear. And here's the thing. The fear is not generated because of who you are. It's generated because of what you're doing. You're not afraid of who you are, but you know there are things in your life, character flaws in your life, and some of you probably lay your head down on the pillow at night that if Jesus were to come back tonight, I'm not really sure I'm going to make it. But I want you to know this morning that God wants to set you free from that. Because it's not about what you're doing. You see, what you're doing right now is not who you are. God has called you. God has set you aside. God has forgiven you. God has put you on a journey with Him. And what you're doing is really not who you are. But the enemy comes in and tries to turn that around and say, Yeah, you see, you're no good. You're counterfeit. You're not going to be a recipient of God's blessing because look what you just did. And that's where we come to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus I confess and I ask forgiveness and I want you to reverse the curse because I know who my name is. My name is written down in the Lamb's book of life and nothing can take that away from me. You see, it's a, it's a key to understand that God did not dwell on what Jacob was, but he dwelt on what he could become or what he would be. 
His blessing always comes with a new name and a new way of living. And Jacob will never be the same again. In fact, when you read through his story, he now walks with a limp. He now, everywhere that he goes, he walks with a limp. That limp is a reminder that he's had an encounter with God. And as difficult as it may be, I ask us this morning, would we rather walk steadfastly and with no limp and walk and do things our own way? Or would we rather walk with a limp as a reminder that we've had an encounter with God? I will have people as I walk through the hallways, people will say, Pastor Don, you're limping. And I have a limp. I go to the chiropractor, he straightens it out, and it's not long before it comes back again. But that limp is a reminder to me that for 62 years, I have been so blessed to play sports since I was 10 years old. In fact, I've got pictures, and you're not going to see them. I've got pictures of me, five years of age, in my underwear, standing out in my grandfather's yard with a basketball in my hand. And for 62 years, I played through junior high and high school and college and the army, and I still try to get out when I can and play basketball with some of the guys, and I've never had a broken foot, I've never had a broken joint, I've never had anything out of place, and it's only by the grace and the goodness of God. But when I walk with that limp, it doesn't hurt, but it's a reminder of 62 years of God's favor. Will I walk with that? You betcha. What is the alternative to not have it and be out of favor with God? So here we have this in closing. The bottom line is this. You and I and all of God's good people on this green earth has a defect or a flaw or an imperfection. Because as spiritual and righteous and holy as we may be, we still live this life in the flesh. And every once in a while, the flesh is going to show up. But I have good news for you today. You say, but Pastor Don, I just, that's why I, I can't seem to get closer to God. I feel like I've got this flaw. That's why I, I don't want to get involved in the church. I, I, I know myself better than anybody else. I've got this flaw. Listen to me. Take heart this morning. There is not a flaw that God cannot fix. There is not a flaw that cannot be forgiven. And there is not a flaw that has to end in failure. As imperfect and flawed as Jacob was, we go to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 21. And we find in the hall of faith a man by the name of Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of, his, of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. So from the very beginning of birth all the way through his experiences of life, he never let go of the intense desire for the salvation of his God. And because of that, and because of his faith, we find him here in Hebrews, worshiping God.
leaning on the top of his staff. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. Last week, pastor led you in a prayer. And it was a tremendous response around these altars. I'm doing it just a bit different this morning, and I'll explain why. Last week, many people came up. Most of you came up and people gathered around you. And they said, on behalf of this congregation, I'm asking your forgiveness of whether we have hurt you, mistreated you, whether we have offended you, if we've done anything on behalf of this congregation, will you forgive me? And we heard some great responses from that. This morning, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front if you have a flaw in your character. Number one, we don't have enough room up here for everybody. And I'm afraid that if you don't come, Pastor and I will be the only ones up here. But church, listen to me this morning. I'm going to pray this prayer. That as you continue your journey with Jesus, no matter how great the flaw, God will fix it. He will forgive it. And it will never lead to failure. But in that process, you may come to a place of experiencing brokenness. And that's okay. Because God wants to dislocate some things in our lives so He can adjust our character to prepare us for the blessing that He has. And if you will agree with me in that prayer this morning, I'm praying that God by His Holy Spirit will just release a tremendous ministry upon your hearts and upon your lives that in the days to come, you're going to recognize the difference that is being made of God working in your life. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. And Father, we're reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul when he said, I am the chief of of sinners. We're reminded that just because we stand on this platform from time to time and we have the microphone and we're, we're in front of the cameras and the lights does not mean that we are perfect. It means that you are working on us and we are a work in progress. And we understand that we are imperfect in form or fashion and we understand that there are flaws in our lives and we have defects in our lives. But Father, I pray that if we leave here today with nothing else but remembering that there's not a flaw you will not fix, there is not a flaw that cannot be forgiven and no flaw has to lead to failure. I pray for this body of believers today that, Father, that in our hearts and in our minds we willingly will follow You and even to the point of brokenness, even to the point of having things dislocated in our life because we know that You're going before us and You're taking care of all of the stuff that when we get to that place of blessing, You are already there and it's already taken care of and we're going to receive abundantly and bountifully. And, Father, I pray this morning for the hurts and the heartaches I pray that there be an inner healing in our lives and in our hearts today and in our minds, that our minds become renewed, that our names become renewed because we're trusting you. And Father, we're so thankful this morning that you're saying to us, characters welcome, characters welcome. No matter what kind of a character we are, we know that you welcome us with open arms. And Father, we're thankful for your love and for your grace and for your mercy Now go with us the remainder of this day and let our hearts and minds just rest and and rejoice in you 
that you are the one that completes the work that you began in our lives. And we give you thanks and praise for that in your name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen, and have a great day in the Lord.